Imagine a world where innovation knows no bounds. At BAE Systems Fast Labs, we're pioneering advanced technology and defense research, shaping the future of safety and security. Explore our website to uncover a realm of cutting-edge projects, collaborations, and visionary thinkers. Whether you're a tech enthusiast, a defender of freedom, or just curious, Fast Labs is where groundbreaking solutions are born. Join us and be part of the future today. Visit www.baesystems.com slash fastlabs. Welcome to From the Crow's Nest, a podcast on electromagnetic spectrum operations, or EMSO. I'm your host, Ken Miller, Director of Advocacy and Outreach for the Association of Old Crows. You can follow me on Twitter at FTC and Host. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome to AOC 2023, the Association of Old Crows 60th Annual International Symposium and Convention. Uh, our From the Crow's Nest podcast will be coming to you each day with new episodes as I sit down with some of our keynote speakers and other special guests throughout the week. We will also be walking the exhibit floor each afternoon, talking to attendees and exhibitors, as well as providing daily analysis and some stories on AOC history uh, to commemorate AOC embarking on the 60th anniversary. Uh, these walking tours of the exhibit floor will be uploaded on LinkedIn. So if you are not already following the Association of Old Crows on LinkedIn, please go there and follow us and you will get notifications as we upload these clips of interviews throughout the afternoon. I also want to highlight that uh, we released a new episode of the History of Crows podcast, which takes a look at the unique founding of the association back in 1964 and some of the key events that led to a small cadre of EW operators and specialists to begin a formal organization to advocate for EW to leaders in DOD, government, and around the world. Um, I had the pleasure of sitting down with longtime old crow Paul Westcott to get his perspective on the founding and some of the stories from the early years. It was a great time. I highly encourage you to take a few moments to uh, download that episode. It's a good listen. And we're looking forward to releasing additional episodes of History of Crows here coming in 2024 um, as we begin a new season for, for that podcast. So today is day one of the show, and I am pleased to have a few guests here with me today, including AOC International Board of Director and Convention Co-Chair Eric Bamford, uh, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Electromagnetic Dominance, John Knowles, and our opening keynote speaker, Lieutenant General Matthew Glavy, Deputy Commandant for Information for the U.S. Marine Corps. All right, my first guest here on From the Crow's Nest live at AOC 2023 is Eric Bamford. He is the AOC Board of Director for Re International Region 1, which includes Europe, Africa, Middle East, all the way to India. Uh, Eric, it's great to have you back on From the Crow's Nest. Thank you. So, so uh, I had you on here last year uh, to talk a little bit about the, the convention from an international perspective, and then I had the pleasure of working with you uh, at the AOC Europe in, in earlier this year in, in Germany. Um, and your influence over the last year, you're, you're co-chair of the convention and the symposium planning committee. Uh, you, you, you played a strong role in, in, in this year's theme which is advancing EMS superiority through strategic alliances and partnerships. So I wanted to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about this theme and, and how it came to be like this, this. Tell us a little bit about this theme and what it means for the discussion on EMSO moving forward. Okay, so uh, if you take a look at, at uh, all these domains that are out there, these five recognized domains, uh, the glue behind them or, or between them is actually the spectrum. It is the spectrum where we all meet up. Uh, and in order to do that, we need to 
meet each other on the you know on the right frequency with the right modulation we need to collaborate on how to to deconflict and and organize the spectrum and and uh, how we kind of dissolve when we do a, a electromagnetic attack versus when we do C2, when is uh, communications a priority, when is attack a priority, when is force protection a priority. And that, that doesn't happen within a nation. That happens within a coalition, within an alliance, uh, across all those nations that are involved. Uh, and also between the civilian and the military portion of it. Uh, so... so um, that's kind of the background for for the uh, input to this year's theme. Yeah. So, so, so you mentioned you know, a couple key terms, uh, collaboration being one of them. Um, we just got out of the opening session with Lieutenant General Matthew Glavy, uh, Deputy Commandant for Information in the Marine Corps. Great conversation. I'm going to be sitting down with him shortly. Um, and it, but in his remarks, he talked about you know the the, the key to, to victory is really controlling the EMS, and he mentioned two parts. I'm going to ask him about this later. Uh, but he mentioned that two parts of the advocacy behind this is collaboration, which you mentioned, and also urgency. Mm. And I, I, I found it interesting, the use of urgency, because that's absolutely true, but we, we don't use, I haven't used that word much in, in our conversations, or we haven't. Uh, talk a little bit about the urgency of partnerships and alliances in the, in the EMSO fight. So uh, I'm just going to step one speaker further further down the road, and I'm going to start with commenting on something that Miss uh, Jen Lewis actually said uh, as the the uh, key sponsor or main sponsor, because uh, she made a made a comment on we need to build a strategy to meet uh, threats and challenges, uh, and it actually starts there. We need a, a common set of language. We need a common view on what the end state of this actually is, and that goes through the the strategy bit. Uh, and then I'm going to comment on the, uh, what, what uh, Davey said, and he said a couple of things that I really, really enjoyed uh, from, from an international perspective, um, because he, he, he pinpointed some of the challenges that uh, the U.S. forces actually have, and those can just, you know, those are the same for the international community as well. So he talked about these black boxes and what do a black box contribute to the, uh, to the operation. Uh, and he said uh, the U.S. Marine Corps needs to understand the data that goes into the box. They need to understand how that box performs in operations. Uh, and the same goes for the partner nations. We also need to know uh, the information requirement into that box. We need to be able to update that box in order to perform at the speed of relevance. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so he was spot on in, in what he presented. And then he actually said something else as well, and that is the how uh, data drives operations uh, and the impact of that data. Uh, and again, taking the international perspective, maybe that partner is actually best positioned to grasp that data and the relevance of that data in that region where they are fighting. So, so um, uh, moving on to another word that he put in his presentation as well, and that is empowering. So empowering those partner nations to actually utilize the data and the changes in the spectrum at the speed of relevance. So uh, that, to, to me, coming from the Norwegian Air Force uh, as a day job, coming from a nation that has a reprogramming history and culture, we need to be able to actually do that reprogramming at the speed of relevance 
so that we can actually fight one more day. Mm -hmm. That is the key focus. And I, I think Glavy was very spot on uh, meeting my, my expectations <laughs> to, to, uh, to what I was hoping to get uh, out of this symposium. So yeah. thumbs up for the keynote. Yeah, excellent remarks. I look, I'm looking forward to talking with him shortly. Um, so last question, you know, I, I know you're busy here. Uh, as, as the co-chair, a uh, lot going on. Uh, we have another couple sessions this afternoon, one on JADC2. Uh, we deal with open systems architecture. We deal with uh, you know achieving EMS superiority. And we close with EMSO in the Ukraine and Russia war. Uh, I think it's a great closing session because it really brings it home into the, the, the fight that's happening today. What do you hope to accomplish? What What is that? the takeaway that you hope attendees walk away with after experiencing all these sessions? So, um, having observed uh, the, the, the war in the Ukraine, now that's a, that's a, a reoccurring theme for, for the AOC convention. You know, the, the first presentations that uh, a Ukrainian representative from the Ukrainian general staff had on, on the challenges they had was actually in 2016 yeah. uh, for the symposium. Uh, and there have been a... Um, They've been giving us or providing us with, with very good updates on the challenges that we could be facing against the state, uh, state on state uh, war. Uh, and, you know, uh, it is uh, right now, even though there's in the, in the international community, there's a lot of, of uh, kind of uh, mumbling about the Ukrainians not being efficient enough and, and, and moving forward enough and, uh, and grasping the initiative and, and, and uh, being able to throw out the Russians. But what we need to remember on this one is that currently none of, none of the rest of us who actually enjoy the peace to actually make these comments are in their position. Right mm -hmm. now they are actually the world champions in fighting the Russians. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you look at the, the uh, Ukrainian chief of defense and the, the, uh, the uh, article he put out in The Economist, he actually mentions EW 26 times in that article. That's, that's the importance of it. Dominating the spectrum uh, at, at the time and place of your choosing so that you can facilitate for operations in all these other domains. That's his key message. And uh, there's another bit in there as well. And that is the, the industry support, that, that uh, ability to, to put in new requirements, understand the, the, the evolution of the threat, build new requirements, get new systems fielded, uh, and being able to always be in an entrepreneuring uh, cycle that then, you know, again, going back to Glavy, his, his, his last slide today was Boyd. Uh, it is all about being inside that void cycle, mm -hmm. moving quicker than the adversary. And that, you know, bringing in industry, building new boxes, getting that new data correctly fitted into the operation. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I'm hoping to get out of that spotlight session. Getting the awareness in industry, getting the awareness between all those military and governments that are present. Fantastic. Well, well th thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule here, Eric. It's always great to sit down and talk with you. It's great to work with you uh, and certainly looking forward to uh, doing some uh, podcast episodes from uh, AOC Europe in 2024 uh, as you're working the agenda there and, and tying the themes together. So really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, my next guest here on From the Crow's Nest is no stranger to the show. He is John Knowles, editor-in-chief of AOC's Journal of Electromagnetic dominance, better known as the JED. 
John, welcome to From the Christmas once again. It's great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Ken. I really enjoy being back on. Right. So, so we wanted. I wanted to have you on the show here today, as you know, it's day one of the of the symposium, and I thought it'd be good to have you on to kind of give us the big picture, a little bit about what are some of the themes that you expect or you want to hear throughout the week. What are some of the questions we need to be asking? Because it's really important if, if, for those that in attendance. You're going from symposium session to session. There's themes that carry through. There's questions that we need to ask. Um, so I wanted to bring you on to get that top-level perspective here right up front on the first episode. Um, and so the theme for this year's convention is advancing EMS superiority through strategic alliances and partnerships. A lot of key points just in that theme alone. Give us your perspective on the symposium theme and what that means for EMSO today. So when I think about that theme, I try to go kind of the 60,000 foot level first and think, you know, really, MSO in coalitions and alliances. And, and really, this, my first question is the distinction between an alliance, which is usually a more set, something more like NATO, versus a coalition, which is, is, doesn't have, it's not as knit together in many ways. And so when I think about both of those things in a, like a dot mil PF, doctrine, organization, training, leadership, material, personnel facilities, I think about that 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 sort of network that that enterprise sort of approach to to a to an MSO in a in a you know for again an alliance like NATO. <clears throat> think about doctrine, not you know if you give it a scorecard, not not perfect. Uh, mm -hmm. There's definitely some differences in doctrine. Um, think about organization. It it. NATO has a much better, robust EW organization. A coalition would be much harder to form. You know, the organizations mm -hmm. it's going to become as you are, bring what you have, and then the COCOM's going to have to start knitting that together pretty fast themselves. And and, and, and I, I'm glad you mentioned NATO too with, with that because I mean it's been one of AOC's uh, major uh, efforts here in the last year and in the future years to come. Here is to improve our outreach and av our advocacy, working with NATO to make sure that there's a there's a, a lot more. Uh, uh, collaboration across the board on that, and and so 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 with with that, you know, I want to get back to the dot mil PF, but just kind of building on that. Real, you know, we talked about dot, dot mil PF a lot when we talk U.S. Mm -hmm. How when you when you're talking about coalitions, we can go through that, and I want to go through that and how, what, how that applies. But how do our coalition partners, how do our alliances or strategic partners view that con that? broad concept of dot mil PF. I mean, do they have that same kind of breakdown in terms of their thinking about what what it means, MSO means across all those all, all those uh, facets of, of war fighting? I think most of them do. Uh, they may not use those specific terms, but they think in those ways. Uh, they just think in an enterprise type of approach. And so when you think about um, getting back to dot mil PF, mm -hmm. the, the hard part are those last letters. Yeah. So, so the, the training, the personnel, and the facilities, because, <clears throat> because that's where you get into the interoperability issues. So even though everybody buys an F-35, for example, and every programming facility, say, at, you know, s somewhere, and, they're, and they're, they're sharing at least some common data sets and mission data files and things like that, but really when you think about, about those facilities and that interoperability that you're achieving that way, it's really weapon system by weapon system. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not knitting together. Then you think about, Personnel, I always think about that because where are the EMSO, where's the EMSO talent going to come from? We're struggling with that in the U.S., just trying to figure out how the GEMSO cells are going to be populated, trained, and all that. But when you go to a coalition, 
you really, or an alliance, you really have to figure out where, where are all these people that may not be associated with a weapon system, but they're going to be running a, a cell. So what's the pipeline, what's the training, what's the experience, and then how do you get all those people to work together um, in that sense. And then a lot of that's going to come, you know, the proof in the pudding is going to be figured out in training. Mm -hmm. and, and figured out, and you know, that's where your interoperability, that's where you, know, you really have to have good red teaming so that you know what your vulnerabilities are. You know that, hey, we both have these, you know, two, two, two alliance members or coalition members might have a capability that could work well together, but putting that together, you know, again, and I think, I think of the vulnerability the coalition has sort of in the Asia Pacific region where there's not a strict alliance. And, and, we, and we, we, I think, sometimes fool ourselves that buying a bunch of materiel where we don't prescribe interoperability necessarily into those, those mm -hmm. purchases, but don't fool yourself that just because country A has capability A and country B has capability B, and they're both formidable, that knitting those together in a, in a dynamic conflict is, is gonna be really, really hard. I mean, we, NATO struggles with this, and they're better at it than anybody else. But, but it's not, when we talk interoperability though, I mean, obviously a large piece of this is training. Uh, that goes into it, but there has to be some way that it, it has to be a, a, a state of mind going into the actual um, development of that technology, getting having that mindset at the earliest stages of innovating new technologies. Because if you're not making things interchangeable, interoperable at the very beginning, you're not going to have a system at the end that's going to be easy to adapt to, into coalition warfighting. So. How, what are some of the challenges that we need to be thinking about from an EMSO perspective in terms of you know, really kind of driving interoperability, this, this discussion about interoperability from strategic partnerships, uh, you know, training at the, at the readiness level all the way down to the development of new technology? I think you have to know what your con ops is going to be to really, and I know it sounds pretty standard to say, but, but really understanding that if, if Certain countries have emitter location capabilities for comms, right? To, to find all the comms emitters out there, data links, whatever. And just your, if you're the US, how much do you share in, in a network with that? How do you, if it came out of the Intel community, how do you filter out what you want to take away so that you're not sharing? I mean, we have a hard time sharing that data inside US forces. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to share that with allies or, or coalition partners, how do you, you know, you have to figure that out way ahead of time. And again, you need, you need to do training to find out, oh, you know, we, we didn't have that taken care of. Or it got to the, the information got there so slowly because it took us so long, or one partner so long to get it to another to make it actionable. Yeah. Um, and so those, those things, you can, you can write those into, some of that can get written into, into a program, uh, a, a, you know, EW program or whatever early on, but, but a lot of it you have to figure that out on the data, you know, the, the back end where you're sharing information and things like that, so. So I just had on the show Eric Bamford, who is AOC's International Board of Director member, uh, and he is playing, he played a, he's been playing a critical role in building our AOC Europe, uh, both in Germany last year in 2023, but also, uh, in Norway coming up in 2024. Um, and so he's got his, his finger on the pulse of, of a lot of the, the NATO discussion. Uh, looking, at the, looking at it from a coalition warfighting perspective, a, 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 a strategic alliance perspective, what are some of the developments over the last couple years that, you're, that most excite you in terms of the progress we're making on this front? I think 
Um, <clears throat> so a couple of things there. One is, and this goes back, but I think it's showing its, it's, it's fruits are <laughs> being realized now. And that was we did a lot of SIGINT interoperability training uh, exercises back like 10 years ago or so, um, especially with um, Rich Whitstruck and the Army and others mm -hmm. doing that uh, in NATO. That's definitely helping a lot. I think the thing that has me the most excited uh, in terms of what especially the European NATO members are doing is their investment in airborne electronic attack. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be huge, but that is going to that is going to be one of the more complex ways that we're going to have to figure out interoperability and really are we going to be able to do AEA as a coalition because NATO has always relied primarily on the US to show up with prowlers or growlers, compass call, things like that. And then they did the lethal seed side of it a lot with their tornadoes and things like that. But but when you have different countries, Germany, UK, Sweden, others coming in with different types of, of uh, EA systems, AEA systems, uh, aircraft, you've got to figure out interoperability. And I'm not sure if I'm Sweden or Germany or the UK, I don't know how much each of those, uh, you know, Italy and Spain, others are going to be, be in part of this too. I don't know how many of those programs are thinking about interoperability up front because they're really probably just thinking, this is our first time out, we're buying a new national mm -hmm. capability, and now we're, you, you want to already start talking about alliances and, you know, and, and how to share that data. I hope they've done that. I really don't know mm -hmm. because it's so early on, but I hope those conversations are happening now because that can be a real problem if you, if you fight with five different AEA forces because they can't be knit together in the paddle space. So, so last question here. Um, okay, so this is day one. We've just completed the opening session. We had uh, Lieutenant General Matthew Glavy speak, uh, ha having him on the show next. Um, but we have a number of sessions coming up. We cover JADC2, we cover uh, open systems architecture. Um, we, we talk a little bit about uh, you know, achieving EMS superiority from an Air Force perspective, uh, and, and the list goes on. But they all kind of tie together. You know, the themes kind of float through. So what are some questions, if I were to interview you, and I, and I very well may, <laughs> just, just a warning, um, at the end of the convention, what are some of the questions that you hope have, to have answered or at least made progress in answering by the end of the week um, by listening to the, the presentations in, in, in these various sessions? I think that an uh, event like this it's not designed, because so much of it's classified, it's not designed to solve problems and provide a lot of specific answers. What I hope we do is understand how broadly EMSO is, is, is becoming, uh, you know, where it's, where it's um, manifesting itself across the DOD and across really our allies too. So I hope that we understand and how big the questions are that we need to answer, because they're huge. Because EW, it doesn't live in a little bubble by itself anymore where you call on the EW guys for the first couple weeks of a air campaign and then they, you know, you suppress the enemy air defenses and you're, you're, you're kind of, that, that phase is done. It integrates with your forces from the beginning to the end of the fight in, 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 in huge ways, space, all these things. And so I hope we, we open the aperture up, no, no pun intended, but we open up the aperture and really get people to think about all the ways that EMSO is going to contribute to the fight and that we figure out how, I mean, again, asking questions, how do we make sure that we don't have a compartmented, you know, uh, 
shortened view of EW or EMSO in in the in an operation. So it, it goes, and I think that's just you're always doing it. We're always doing EMSO. We just have a lot of people out there outside our community that think it's turn off, turn on type mm -hmm. thing, and and it's not that anymore at all. It's too strategic and it's too continuous. Right. Well, 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 thank you for taking time here on, on a busy first day. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, sitting down with you more frequently here coming into 2024 as we start our, as we launch our new subscriber package here on From the Crow's Nest. Um, and for those listeners who haven't heard about this, you know, we're going to be basically doubling our shows coming in the new year, we're still releasing the normal two shows a month that are open to everybody. But then for subscribers, uh, we're going to be doing two special episodes each month where uh, they're really focused more on the analysis piece, and I'll be sitting with a rotation of ex subject matter experts, including John Knowles quite frequently, but these sessions are also open to subscribers to participate in and, 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 and uh, listen in on the live stream, ask questions and everything. So uh, a lot more conversational, we'll be able to draw from an audience. Uh, we're really looking forward to that, and I'll have you on the show a lot more. Um, and, and so this would only be for subscribers, but of course it's a member benefit to AOC members. So um, if you're not an AOC member and you're listening to this show, please, I encourage you to become a member uh, today because I think this, is, this will be a, a really great opportunity to, to bring the community together um, and really kind of make sure that we're, we're, we're asking and answering the right questions we need to. So, but with that, thank you, John, for joining me here on From the Crow's Nest, and I'll let you get back to the show. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me. All right, I am here with my special guest for today's episode, Lieutenant General Matthew Glavy. He is the Deputy Commandant for Information for the U.S. Marine Corps. He was also the opening keynote speaker for our symposium today. Uh, General Glavy, welcome to From the Crow's Nest. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me and really appreciate And like I told uh, the director, the timing of this event is critical in world events and so appropriate we talk about the electromagnetic spectrum. Well, I, I greatly appreciated your remarks. Um, you have a phenomenal bio, which we'll make, uh, uh, we'll, we'll put into the show notes. I won't waste our listeners time reading it through because it, but it's, it really shows the depth and breadth of your experience across uh, US Marine Corps, across conflict and everything. And so you bring everything to the table um, and really appreciate it, your perspective. I wanted to kind of go into your uh, remarks, you know, right, right, at, right out of the gate, I, you know, you brought the bottom line up front very nicely, and you talked about control of the EMS is the key to victory. Um, and this has been a point that we've uh, mentioned on the podcast routinely, is that if you don't control the spectrum, you can't have mission success, no matter what you're trying to do. Um, but I really, and, and you mentioned that advocacy is key for that, advocacy for controlling the EMS. And I like the way that you broke that down into two key parts that I want, I'd like you to build on. Uh, the first is urgency, and the second is collaboration as two key parts of advocacy. So I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little, little bit about how urgency and collaboration are key to the advocacy uh, for EMS. Thank you and uh, th thanks for that. So it's, uh, it's gonna be critical as we go forward. As war fighters, we also wanna be experts. Uh, we tend to dive in um, as a pilot, understanding how you know, a molecule of fuel ends up as exhaust. Truly understanding the technical aspects were critical to being successful as a pilot. And I mentioned the EA-6B squadron and those amazing pilots. They're technical experts at what they did and that's why they were so good at it. They dove into the pubs, they understood telemetry, they understood physics. They were card carrying experts and it showed in execution. So the urgency I'm really trying to be deliberate about is the urgency of expertise, 
knowing what you want in more than just an inch of depth. And so, you know, there's, there's something across the Marine Corps that we gotta be better at. Uh, you know, when we sundown those airplanes, we also sundowned a degree of, of excellence and expertise in the electromagnetic mm -hmm. spectrum. When we created the Deputy Commandant for Information, when we created the MEF Information Group, when we created the Marine Corps Information Command, we tried to look at the electromagnetic spectrum holistically. The, the, the EMS is critical, it's a critical uh, requirement to everything we do, but, but ultimately it's what we do with that requirement. Is it, is it about command and control? Is it about executing fires? Is it about logistics? Is it about all the warfighting functions and how one maximizes the spectrum in order to gain an advantage? It's literally practically a part of, of everything that we do. So the Marine Corps didn't tr try not to segment it into the EMS, but rather holistically tried to tie it in to every other warfighting function in order to gain that relevancy, to gain that, that urgency, collaboration. Man, it, I, I, I just brought together so many different things, right? I, I as, as my portfolio, I have the C4 uh, requirements of the Marine Corps. I have all the intelligence requirements for the Marine Corps. I have all the cyber requirements for the Marine Corps. I got all the EW requirements for the Marine Corps. I got all the information operations. All that stuff is is wrapped in the electromagnetic spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. It just wraps around it, literally. Uh, and, and so th this gets complicated and and a lot of times we like to black box all mm -hmm. our all our problems. A black box shows up and you got a black box. Unfortunately, if the black box doesn't solve your problem, it's hard to do anything with it. So, so anyway, putting it all together is going to require urgency from understanding that complicated uh, uh, methodology I just described, but also the collaboration. And that goes with industry, that goes with all our acquisition, uh, that goes with our warfighters. We got to bring all that stuff together. Yeah. That's the only way we're going to be masters. Yeah, and you, you were talking about uh, the, the Marine Corps Prowlers and, uh, you know, I, I've been working with the AOC in different capacities uh, from Capitol Hill all the way up through what I'm doing now, and we've done a lot of work in, in advocating for the Prowler, both from the Navy and Marine Corps over the years, and and uh, I, I, I have the distinction, having never served in the military, I do have two flight hours in a Prowler. Um, and it was the most, one of the most memorable times of my life, but um, I sat through some of the mission planning and everything, and the reason why I bring that up is because one of the things that you said about the job that they did, or, and, and, and that expertise we still rely on today in different, in different roles, is that they took the science and made it art. Um, and you know, science—it's about data, formulas. It's, 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 it has a predictability to it, but the art is the perspective. It's the risk. It's the it's the glue that brings together the people, ideas, and things that you mentioned at the end, um, and that's so critical in understanding how we conduct operations in the EMS. Is, is that art side of the of the equation? Um, wondering if you could go in a little bit and talk about how those two come together in your your idea, understanding of an EW expert. Yeah, so I would surmise it all into this idea of combined arms, right? So any one aspect of, of what we do, you know, certainly provides its unique contribution, but it's, it's bringing it all together. And the science is, is knowing 
how a molecule of fuel turns into exhaust and how it makes, it, the, the science is understanding the tele, telemetry of an S-400 radar. The, the science is truly understanding, and let me tell you something, I don't want to understate how important science is, because the second half doesn't work without the technical expertise. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what you're doing and what you're talking about, you, you could be a danger, you could, you could add risk. So that's why, especially as senior leaders, understanding some of this is really, really important. So we have grown Marines, and, and they are really good at what they do, right? They're tactical experts. They're practically scientists in so far as they understand the technical side of, of their warfighting function. Now the art, the art is bringing it together as combined arms. Truly, the definition is, is brings it all to light, and that's the full integration of arms that to counteract one, you become more vulnerable to another. I, that, that's, that's when you've arrived, right? That's, that's when you take all your science, right? And, and you bring it to bear as art, ultimately, to execute a mission, to achieve an objective, to do what the joint force requires. Mm -hmm. Um, so so the, the theme of our convention, of course, is advancing EMS superiority through strategic alliances and partnerships. Um, and wanted to get you know, the Marine Corps perspective on this theme. Um, you know, how do you see the role of the Marine Corps evolving in the context of strategic alliance and partnerships? Um, you know, we talk multi-domain operations, we talk about you know, uh, fighting, being able to fight anywhere, everywhere, at any time, um, and that means with anybody that is, of course, allied to our cause. And, and so from a Marine Corps perspective, you're always on the front lines of that multi-domain, multi-partnership operation. Could you give us a perspective of what that means? Sure, sure. You know, again, I have a lot of 3MAF time. I, I spent a big chunk of my career on, on those amazing amphibious warships. Uh, and so I spent time in the Philippines, Thailand, Australia, certainly uh, the Korean Peninsula, and, and those places like really, really mattered. And our relationship with them was, was terrific. Uh, it was professional and, you know, with professional. They, they took what they did very serious, we did the same, and it was really a, a very enlightened relationship. Now, national defense strategy hits, national military strategy. Now, now we are been defined, we've been given a pacing threat. We've been given a mission. Those countries go from being awesome training partners, right, where we get so much out of each of our own tradecraft. Now, we have to think differently. We, we have to think in, in terms of training and, and rehearsals, right? Every time we interact with them, we need to be ready to make sure that on a bad day, Right, that, that, that they're going to have what they need, we're going to have what we need, and we're going to be able to do that together. Mm -hmm. Like That's really, really important. So though we've always had great relationships, and I mentioned the Island Hopping Campaign, you know, that, that 1943, as we celebrate 80 years of it, uh, afforded us the opportunity of, of having the terrain, the good ground, the partnerships, the friends that we have today. We, we owe it to, to our predecessors to take full advantage of it, and to be good partners, to be good allies, to be good uh, friends. Uh, you know, Balakatan is, is a great example. You know, Balakatan means shoulder to shoulder. And, mm -hmm. and literally, I mean, there couldn't be a more appropriate title for an exercise than shoulder to shoulder. 
And so that's how we have to interact, especially as, as our relationship with the Japanese prospers, our relationship with the Filipinos prospers, and, and on and on, uh, you know, Australia and New Zealand and so many great allies and, and, and uh, Republic of Korea, it's just, it's so critical now that there is a, another sense of urgency for our all, all of our sake that, that we got to be focused on. So we got to be good at, mm. at what we do. You mentioned that readiness matters, and, and you said it very succinctly in your, your opening remarks as well as here, and, and you, you go into talking about that readiness really gives you an advantage. And, and, and you mentioned that our advantage from the U.S. and our partnerships, our advantage is, is part of it is data. Um, and you know, there, the, the data is everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's uh, you, I mean, you can almost get overwhelmed thinking about the large, the scale of data and how it's grown over just the recent years and how you keep up with that. Um, but it's not just about collecting that data. It's about doing something with it and having it mean something. Um, and I, I, I was just with some of my colleagues down at a, another conference down in San Antonio, heavy on the data side, on the cyber side, and, and, and a lot of the talk was about how do you assure data, how, you, the, the assurance of it, and how do you make it actionable. Uh, and f as a follow-on, you know, you're talking about preparing for Palm 26, you're trying to think ahead. How do you factor in how to improve assur data assurance and, and, and the actionability of data uh, that you're collecting in the field and prepare for that in an ever-changing world that's, you know, year in and year out different. You know, they made a joke today. Uh, one of the uh, awardees said, we got rid of the term electronic counter-countermeasures, right? Well, well, cyber is very similar to EW with respect to, there's going to be a counter to the counter to the counter to the counter. It, it never ends. We like to say a Marine on duty has no friends. <laughs> as, we, as we command and control our networks and execute network operations, we, we do it as a Marine on duty has no friends. It, it, every day is new. Every day there's certainly an incredible amount of challenges and threats that come across uh, that network. And, and we want to fight smart, right? So, so part of that is the, back to the data. So when we transform the network, the Marine Corps Enterprise Network, into a hybrid cloud-based environment, boy, overnight did we learn a lot. And overnight, we got better. Mm -hmm. Like, better, better. We could understand telemetry. We could understand, when we say censor the network, like, mm -hmm. I'm a helicopter pilot, I'm doing that. You know, what, what exactly are we talking about? Well, when you're in a cloud, the ability to censor the network, to fully understand what Glavy does day in the life on that network, and understand uh, if there's anomalous behavior by Glavy, and to go interact with Glavy is like really important. And you can't hide in the cloud. Yeah. The telemetry and sensor capability that we have as we execute our, 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 our cloud environment, hybrid cloud ultimately, right, as we extend into the tactical environment is, is so critical. So part of that, again, is adapting to technology, adapting not, not only as a buzzword, but as a practical application from a warfighting sense. Our ability to operate in the cloud has made us more ready, it's made us more resilient, it's made our ability to mass data, to bring data to the right place, the right time, uh, it's, it's done all of that. And it, it's 
you know, given us options. And I think those options are going to spill over and be afforded to our partners. They got to be. You know, we got to be able to operate in a cloud environment with our partners. That there's, there's, you know, that, that is a, that's a fact. How we do that, there's some art and science to that as well. And we're still crap. Mission partner environment is one of those, you know, big and And, you know, things may only, we'll go do Balakatan. May mm -hmm. set up a network, cloud-based, may use it for the 30 days it takes to execute, then burn it down, right? We got we to gotta be able to do things like that, right? And be able to bring our partners and, you know, more and more and how we're going to execute data, how we're going to maximize it, right? But, but we got to have some starting points. Those could be examples of those starting but, points. But how, how do you go about injecting flexibility in your planning as you're looking at future budgets? You know, things can change year in and year out. I mean, you, so you, you need to plan for 26, but you also have to plan in some capacity, in some way for 26 to be tomorrow. Um, so how do you inject that flexibility into this process? Or what, what are some of the things that you are hoping to see from DOD, from the Marine Corps, from, from your position in, in terms of getting that flexibility in funding and, 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 and policy and other thing, changes that need to happen. Yeah, this is a tough, tough one. And uh, maybe if you have a chance to talk to the SACD and HACD, you can talk about color of money. and, and uh, So, no easy answer, and, mm -hmm. and we're, we're going to get better at that. Uh, but, but ultimately, you know, how do we use O&M money, operation maintenance money, uh, like we're fixing an airplane, to make sure the commander has the right interfaces, uh, the right plugins to make decisions, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's almost got to be looked at the same. Like, I have a capability, I'm going to fix it, I'm going to buy petroleum oils lubricants, I need a new starter, I need, whatever it may be, you know, again, parochially from an aviation standpoint, but how do I do that in this environment? It's things like coding. It's mm -hmm. things like, hey, I need a plug-in to understand when our logistics are going to arrive so I can make a decision about when that operation is going to go. And, and, oh, by the way, an understanding of the adversary. And all that has to be, again, brought in, you know, to steal a term, let's say, into a single plane, a single pane of glass. But all that's doable. Yeah. That, that, that's coding. That, and to be able to interact that way with those weapon systems near real time, like, that's a must. We stood up recently the Marine Corps Software Factory. Mm -hmm. And it's our early, early bid, right? You know, prototyping our ability. How do we do software? How do we do it at the edge? How do we do it in centralized initially? But then how do we, how do we push it out to our MEF commanders? And so that's our, our, our burdening uh, uh, opportunity to, to get after that. So I want to go, so in your presentation, you, you had a number of great charts, and, and, and one of the limitations, of course, of podcasts is you, we can't really show the charts, but I wanted to refer to one where, and it was in reference to, you were talking about the Marine Corps fighting smart, and it was coming out, it was the last phrase of, uh, you'll have to help me out here. MCDP-1? Yes, that's Marine it. Um, and, and so you had a chart that, that basically showed, you know, what, what is fighting smart, and you had fires, maneuver, and information kind of uh, circles uh, combining, you had and, and, and in the middle, where they overlap, is where you create dilemmas. Could you talk a little bit about what that chart means in terms of how the, the Marine Corps views fighting smart? So, how do we inject everything we just talked about, right? Everything you know, that this organization stands for, you know, the electromagnetic spectrum, the opportunities it provides, but ultimately the data and information, how do we bring it into a, uh, a fighting mechanism? Uh, this, this ain't easy, not for the faint of heart. Uh, you know, we're really good at killing people and breaking things. That's a lot of our training apparatus, combined arms. But, but it comes back to combined arms. 
right, back to the integration, the full integration of effects that to counteract one, you create a greater vulnerability for another, that's what we got to do. Mm -hmm. And understanding how information, a part of that, when, whether it's cyber, and whether, whether it's electronic warfare, whether it's our information operations and, 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 and MISO capabilities, whatever it may, Comstrat, our ability to do public affairs, our ability to tell the story of the Marine Corps as, as this stand-in force, right, at the edge, shoulder to shoulder with our partners to cause a dilemma for our to, to make them pause. Right? Oh man, who's over there? What are they doing? What capabilities they have? All that, right, causes fog and friction for our adversary. But ultimately, all of that, the, the sum, the whole is truly greater than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really the essence of combined arms. Adding the information side of that is something that we continue to, to dive into intimately, certainly the Marines up at Marine Corps Forces Cyberspace Command and Joint Task Force Ares up there are doing amazing stuff mm -hmm. uh, from a cyber perspective, but it's all combined arms. It's all combined arms. And it's pretty pretty amazing uh, to, to, to watch them. But And it's it's all imagination. Sometimes our, our LIMFAC, especially uh, in, in the electromagnetic spectrum, and especially as we use the information environment, it's, it's an imagination mm -hmm. problem rather than what what can we do and what can't we do. And, and when you talk about combined arms, you, know, you, mentioned, you talked a little bit about the role of space, and you know, we talk you know, multi-domain operations all the time, but if you don't win in space, you can't win in any other domain, and you can't win in space unless you can maneuver in the EMS. So, you know, how, from a Marine Corps perspective, you know, how are you approaching the, 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 the problem of space or the challenge of space? Yeah, step one gets back to that expertise. If we don't have card-carrying experts to truly understand the potential and, and, and limitations of space, we, we, we're going to be awkward uh, again. So we have created uh, MAR4 Space, Marine Forces Space Command. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, that's part of our interior lines of communication with the Marine Corps Information uh, Command, as I, as I discussed earlier. Uh, but Marine Corps Forces Space Command is, is step one. We also have created some of this expertise. We have both Navy postgraduate school uh, educated Marines that come out with uh, degrees in space operations. Uh, they're designated 8866. And we also created a military occupational uh, specialty in the Marine Corps 1706 that gets after space and now starts building the predictable, repeatable expertise that we need to go to in, in, in order to, to fight smart, in order to know what we're doing. Mm. Um, and I know your time is valuable and I really appreciate you sitting down with us. I had just one more question. It kind of goes back to one of your final charts that you had. Um, you had. You had a chart of a pyramid that uh, basically laid out the layers at the top, of course, is the advantage that we were talking about. You were talking about at the very beginning, and it goes through a number of different layers. Um, and I want to focus on the second one, because that st stood out to me. Underneath advantage was will and excellence. And so often we talk about capability, we talk about technology, we talk about strategy, but really it all comes down to, in some ways to culture. And I view that, that will and excellence piece as, as the culture piece so many times that that kind of gets, that takes everything else before it and takes you to the advantage. So could you talk a little bit about the culture of excellence, the culture of advantage in the Marine Corps? So this gets back to my opening comments and talking about VMAQ2 and the EA6B and you know we go off to mission plan, the ECMOs, the electronic countermeasure officers and the EA6B pilots make a right turn, they go into the skiff, they dive into the yellow uh, uh, 
paged uh, publications, and they truly get on with the science of the threat. Uh, understanding telemetry, understanding the physics, truly, truly understanding at a level of expertise that when they walk out of that room and they create the art of the plan, right, that we all sit in that mass briefing room and, uh, and they're, they're, they're gonna open the door, right? They're, they're gonna be the ones, if, if, if what they did doesn't work, like we're gonna be in an awkward place, but they're gonna open the door to, to the entire mission. So, so there's a culture of excellence that goes into those incredible Marines and their tradecraft, their science, their will to be experts, I mean card-carrying experts at what they do that they can take that science and turn it into art of the plan and now turn it into operations, execution, success. That, that's kind of what I'm getting at and that's what always impressed me about their understanding of the electromagnetic spectrum and how good they were at it and when they spoke, everybody listened. When they briefed their plan, everybody listened. It was it was gonna be a go, no go, based on their ability to do their, their critical part of, of that mission. Well, 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 thank you, General Levy, for uh, joining me here on From the Crow's Nest. Great words, great opening remarks. Uh, you know, it, it's always a challenge to kind of set the tone for an entire week um, and be the first one on stage. So uh, you did a remarkable job, greatly appreciate your time, um, and look forward to, to working with you in your office here in the future, and hopefully have you back on again for an update. Thanks, Ken. That will conclude this episode of From the Crow's Nest. I want to thank my guests, Eric Banford, John Knowles, and of course our opening keynote speaker, Lieutenant General Matthew Glavy, U.S. Marine Corps. And just a reminder that we will be back each day of the convention, uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, as well as Wednesday, with new episodes as I sit down with other speakers and guests and analysts here at the convention, discussing the theme, Advancing EMS Superiority Through Strategic Alliances and Partnerships. Also, don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners, so please take some time to let us know how we're doing. That's it for today. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at FTC and Host. Thanks for listening. Fast Labs, powered by BAE Systems, is at the forefront of advanced technology and defense research, development, and production. They're pushing boundaries, breaking barriers, and innovating for a safer world. Check them out at www.baesystems.com/fastlabs.